Welcome back to the Modern Day Overthinker Podcast. My name is Colin and I am your host. Thank you for tuning in. This episode is featuring a new friend of mine. He goes by the name of Yoshi. His full name, however, is Yoshikasan Yumeko Haddon. And he has a hell of a story to tell. And I'm so glad I had him on. Great conversation. Great guy. Love his hustle. Love his mentality. And he recently just had a new baby girl. So congratulations on that. Him and uh, the mother are doing great. As well as the child, obviously. So I love to hear that. And I want to dedicate this episode to our buddy Brad Han because we'll never forget you buddy everyone enjoy episode 38 with my buddy Yoshi start out by like just giving you an opportunity to I always give everybody an opportunity to kind of introduce themselves and kind of what they do uh you know if you're from the area where you're from things like that just a little bit of background just so people can kind of get an idea uh if they have never heard of you yeah absolutely um so I'm my full name is Yoshika Sanyumeko Haddon I was born in uh, Davenport I uh lived off of 10th and Warren until uh, I was about 12 years old. Uh, I moved with my father in South, South Chicago in a trailer park um, at 12 and stayed there until I was about 17. Uh, ended up in technically enlisting in the, into the uh, Navy at 17. Uh, did a year of prep school at the uh, United States Preparatory um, uh, School over in Rhode Island for, for the Naval Academy. Did four years at the Naval Academy. Graduated with a uh, computer engineering degree and uh, as a surface warfare officer, ended up doing um, three years after that, so a total of eight years in the uh, in the Navy. I uh, got out, started uh, my business, which is still going on today. It's called Yoshi's Tronics. I started this out in Virginia. Did that for about um, about four years, four to five years. Uh, big uh, big thing happened. Uh, I uh, ended up uh, spending about a year in jail, um, got out, ended up having the charges dropped because uh, they were falsified to begin with, and uh, had to rebuild my life from there. So moved down from Virginia back here, home to Iowa. Uh, hadn't been back here since I was 12, really. And, um, a lot different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Re- uh, <clears throat> really hit the reset button on my life and um, just intended on doing things different, just working a normal nine to five, raising a family. Um, fate and you know God had something, something more for me. So I ended up starting my uh, my electronics store back up over here. Did extremely well. Expanded uh, and started a Airbnb business called Yoshi's Place. Um, I now have five in the area. One in Virginia that used to be my house over there. And um, <clears throat> recently purchased Third uh, Street Bar and Grill back in February. It is now reopened as Yoshi's Bar and Filipino Canteen. Yeah, that was for sale for a while. Yeah, a couple years I heard, but uh, well, the pandemic too. Like nobody wanted to buy a bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, commercial property, just businesses in general right now, and are, are probably at a probably at all time low. I would say if uh, especially if you're trying I mean, to buy. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a really good buyer's market for for commercial property. It's just where the economy is post COVID. It's um and and that coupled with where the labor market is, where there just aren't. You just you just didn't have a lot of people willing to work um, for a period of time there. Um, I, was, I use that word willing lightly. Uh, there's several factors that went into that, but uh, yeah, there was. Uh, it was just hard for employers to find help, and um, and that contributed to a lot of businesses shutting down. Supply and demand drove the prices of commercial property down. Yeah. So I Supply got and demand of just a lot of things. Uh, just 
manufacturing wise absolutely it's all messed up absolutely and it, it really all links back to labor a lot of it goes really? back to labor yeah um big companies even our amazon factory over here uh um in davenport that was supposed to be built that uh has been delayed because there are just not enough people to build it oh really yeah yeah jeez um, yeah man uh maybe i need to get a manual labor <laughs> it's uh it's a very good market right now i'll tell you yeah, you're going to find work if you're in that field, that's for sure. Um so as far as the business goes, how long uh what's your main uh obviously it's an electronic repair store, correct? Mainly, but you also obviously do a couple other things as well within the store. Absolutely. So we uh yeah, our our main business is is repairing, which honestly the the business started as a a buying and selling business where you would buy used electronics whether okay. they're broken or whatever yeah. and we would sell them both in a local and a global market locally in the store and globally on um, different avenues like eBay mm-hmm. Amazon etc we have limited pretty much to eBay for our global market and in store for our local yeah eBay is really popular globally yeah yeah it's a it's a good way to access a market that was for a very very long period of time only accessible by a very few. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing that in a lot of different industries, um, <clears throat> you know, access to the internet and, and um, you know, just, just the ability to communicate worldwide and instantly has opened up, you know, um, industries that were, ver- were limited to, to a select few, even with, um, you know, things like this, like, like podcasting. <clears throat> Back mm-hmm. in the day, you, you know, I'm sure you're well aware of this, you had to be kind of in the know with, uh, with radio. In order to do something similar, oh yeah, you had to you had to have your foot in the door somewhere, or get hired on somewhere to have your own show, and now you can just start your own show. Absolutely, same thing with music too. Like you can just build your own studio at your house and just start recording. It doesn't take that much money either, right? Absolutely. Um, and you, there's all types of software that'll mix and master it for you. It's uh, yeah, it's a totally different game out there now um and yeah the amount of podcasts that get uploaded just on a daily basis the thing i've learned about podcasting though is this is a long game it's what i've learned from the people that have done it they get burnt out or they stop staying consistent that's when they just stop altogether like the amount of consistent podcasts out there is actually a small or lot smaller pool than you think Absolutely. You know, consistency is really important in a yeah. lot of different venues and, and this is no exception. Um, you know, I people ask all the time, you know, why don't you close your bar early when you don't have any customers? Well, it's for consistency. I want someone to know they they can come to my bar at one thirty in the morning. Exactly, yeah. No matter what, no matter what day, you know what I mean? Um, so um yeah, just consistency is really important to customers. I remember working at a bar and being the bartender and be like, why can't we close? And then like not really thinking about it that way because I was I was just the employee. Mm-hmm. But from a business standpoint, yeah, you want to be consistent because you never know some big group might show up mm-hmm. at twelve thirty and you were going to close at twelve. Right, and it's not about getting their business at you know twelve thirty or one thirty. It's about them showing up and knowing that, oh, okay, their posted hours are, because if I show up to a business, Legit, yeah. you know, and they're closed when they're supposed to be open, I'm not going to come back even during the day because I don't know if they're going to be open yeah. or not. You yep. know, you may think, oh, well, this business must be shut down or something. Yeah, we, I won't name the restaurant, but we were talking about a restaurant earlier <laughs> that does that. Uh, and yeah, you got to watch out for that. Um, yeah, consistency has been very key in a lot of aspects of my life and with my mental health like consistently like one thing i implemented in my routine recently was going to the gym like the last year i've been going to the gym pretty regularly and staying consistent with that before i would go to the gym for like if i ever did join the gym i would go for like a month or two and then just fall off right and uh i've noticed that's helped me mentally and physically as well because i was starting to balloon up a little bit yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah, it's helped me a lot, but is there anything that you've implemented in your routine that's helped you? That's that's one thing I like to share with people is just different things that they can do outside of just like the normal. Because people th- like to make things more complicated than they really are. You Absolutely, know? yeah. Um, so, I mean, kind of along those lines of, you know, going to the gym, uh, I would go to the gym religiously at least three times a week prior to about nine months ago. And nine months ago, I... Um, 
my girlfriend got pregnant. Uh, so we've been. I was gonna say yeah. I just saw her. She's about ready to. <laughs> yeah, she's about due here. So that kind of slowed us down. We were when we first met. You were both gone. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that's you know, and I've been. It's just that's been something that I've been doing since I was 16, 15 years old, really since my high school days. And I, you know, when I was through through the military, that obviously was mandated. And then when mm-hmm. I got out, I just kept it going. And um, keep that momentum going. Right. And I feel it like it kept me young. It kept me, you know, um, lively help with my mental health and and really, with you know, kind of cutting back on and and not really going much at all recent, um, you know, these last nine months just because we've been busy and. And she can't really go and, and work out, so we just kind of just sacrifice the time to, to for work. But, um, yeah, it does affect you. It does, you know, I, I realize how helpful that was for mental health. And, you know, it's it's good physically. but Of course. It's, yeah. I think it's just as important. I think it's just yeah, as important. Too. Make sure I'm sorry about that. Got to turn my no, I think it's just on. as important um, mentally as it is physically. Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely. And as far as structure-wise and – going into the military and everything, I mean, at such a young age, what made that decision? How did you come to make that decision? Because that's, that's a serious decision. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty crazy. Um, so I've always sought some sort of, uh, some sort of brotherhood, honestly, where mm-hmm. sent from, a, from a young age. And, um, you know, growing up in South Chicago, you know, really, your choices for, for brotherhood were limited. Um you know, a lot of people sought refuge in in gangs, and um, and I'm not gonna lie, it was uh, it was at the forefront of my mind. Um, it was an option. It was an option, absolutely. And and it I was there. I, I wanted to try the better option. I wanted to try, you know, seeking that brotherhood through um, a good cause. You know, and and I found that in I found that calling in the military. I actually initially wanted to be uh, to enlist in the Marines because um, mm-hmm. they were more my my speed, I guess you can say. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, getting accepted to the Naval Academy, that there is a way to to commission as a Marine officer. So that's why I went that route. Um, just uh, the selection process being a a ranking system, and you're 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 competing against literally the best in the world. These these service academies are considered. I don't know if you ever seen Men in Black, but where he's yeah, like of best of the best of the best, sir, yeah, yeah. you know, for West Point. Yeah. Well, the Naval Academy is is right there with West. Point. You know, with West Point. Yeah. Um, actually ranked a little bit higher uh, for my Army brethren out there. Uh, there <laughs> but uh, but no, it's um, they're 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 the probably one of if not the most difficult institutions to not only get accepted to and graduate from um uh but they they provide uh, just their grad you know the percentage of graduates you know are 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 just among the kind of the elite when you think of their training when you think of their education background when you think of the leadership you know skills behind you know the training and everything else it's 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 right at the, so I'm competing against the, you know some of the best in the world so you know, and unfortunately, I was not ranked high enough to get selected for my first choice, which was Marine officer. I ended up getting surface warfare in the Navy, and you know, I I had a good short career um, being a surface warfare officer, um, and found my calling, you know, after I honorably discharged uh, as a business owner. Okay, yeah, that's awesome. As as far as electronics go, how far back does the you have to have some type of passion for electronics. <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, so how far back does that go, or when did that start? And obviously you have the name Yoshi, so it's like perfect. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, it's it's weird because I actually went by, if you anybody that grew up with me out here in, in Davenport, they call me Shiko because I, I just started going by Yoshi in high school. Oh, but, okay. Yeah, it was. Uh, I was always a nerd, man. I was a, you know, I was one of those gamers. I, I was very. Okay. I was, yeah, yeah. I was like 80, 90 pounds, soaking wet at like you know twelve years old, twelve, thirteen, <laughs> fourteen. Um, just a very little guy that um, you know, just really liked you know gaming and technology, and uh, it's kind of always been a passion of mine. Um, I never really saw myself making a career out of it, but I always you know being choosing computer engineering as a as a uh, degree. And um, pursuing that throughout through the academy, I learned a lot um, in both programming, which is software, and then mm-hmm. uh, the the actual 
um, circuitry, like the circuit board level of the hardware and the um, really the everything behind it. Um, and then you go into, you know, business and you're like, okay, well, what, what can I do with what, with my knowledge to make money? Mm-hmm. And technology is just one of those things that it's almost like food. It's, it's almost a necessity now. It's, uh, you know, it was labeled a, um, an essential business during the COVID shutdowns. Um, so we were allowed to remain open. So, you know, everybody's, your phone is, it's almost an extension of your body now. Um, yeah. You know, people just don't even leave the house with it. So mm-hmm. that's kind of. Well, like, no one has landlines hardly anymore. Right. <laughs> I thought about getting one just for for kicks because it was like five bucks a month. Right. Just to say I have a landline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just, I just kind of linked a, a market of, you know, hey, what can I do to, to, to use my knowledge of technology and, and to make some money off of it. That's awesome. As far as, uh, We'll go back a little bit further as far as everybody, when everybody hears Southside Chicago, they always stop <laughs> and they're like, oh, Southside Chicago. And uh, describe like that, because this was obviously, if you, it's got, it's changed a yes, little bit. Yeah. Um, I don't think for the better from what I've heard, right. but uh, I haven't been there in a long time. I used to do door-to-door sales in Chicago like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm all over chicago it didn't matter uh and there were certain parts where like people from there were like yeah you should we need to go it's getting dark out yeah man it's it's different um you know growing up there it was uh it, it just yeah starting it, here and going there yeah it was big a, difference it was, it was a day and night it was a day and night and people you know it's that's why it's strange you know when i open my bar people are like oh you're opening in the ghetto i'm like this is the burbs what are you talking about in comparison <laughs> yeah yeah in comparison. yeah you know i lived uh 127th in ashland there was a trailer park there in calumet park <clears throat> and uh i mean you know if i rode my bike down to mcdonald's uh, it, was, it was one time i rode my bike down to mcdonald's and um you know a guy just grabbed my handlebars he's like this is a nice bike and he pretty much was uh insinuating that uh it's it was bike. now his bike yeah. <laughs> you know and and um, you have to, you have to be, no, I was, like I said, I was about 90 pounds. This guy was probably about 140, 150. Older. Yeah. A couple years older than me as I uh, went to a rival high school. And, um, and even with that, even my, with my size, I couldn't, I couldn't back down. I had, you know, you had, or else you'd be stepped on left and right. Your, your, your pride and your respect was worth more than your life. And that was, that is the mentality in Chicago is you defend your pride and your respect with your life because it's life is not worth living without it. So that's why you see these young kids, these young generations, um, you know, with all the crime and the, you know, like, man, it's in broad daylight. Oh man. It's like, you know, why would they do this? Why are they throwing their lives away? Because it, that is it. It's a pride. Like, now think of, relate that to the military, same age, same, same, you know, same people. Um, but it's just a different fight. You know what I mean? It's instead of fighting for your, your country, you're fighting for your neighborhood. You're fighting for your family. You're fighting for your brothers. Either way, you're fighting for your, your brothers. You know what I mean? Brothers and sisters. Yeah. Um, so that's the way they see it. And that's the way we were, we were raised out there is, you know, if, if, if you, you have to def- not only defend yourself, but you're a representation of you know, either your gang or your family name or where you're from or your, even yourself. So um, if you didn't fight, whether you got beat up, whether you got whatever, you know, you were seen as a lesser person, you know. So a lot of people saw that disrespect and loss of pride is worse than death. And that's why they do what they do. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, as far as the bike goes, did you get to keep the bike or not? Oh, yeah, I fucking kept that bike. Man. <laughs> I kept no, I actually ended up having a... So I ended up fighting that guy later on, uh, later on that night. Uh, it was a big deal. Uh, everybody my, got it. Yeah. Everybody got together for Everybody got together for this thing. It was in a basketball court. Oh, and um, and I, I thought, I brought 10 people. And, yeah. And he brought like, a f- like no exaggeration, more than 50. Like just like, so many people. Ridiculous. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. And um, was this before cell phones too? Or was this right? No, this was, there was cell phones. Phone. This was like the... Uh, Motorola Razor Type H. Okay, yeah. okay. So he could shoot. He could have shot out a few texts there. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. He and he did. <laughs> yeah, um, luckily, my brother. Uh, I was in. I I I got fucking my ass just handed to me. Um, 
and then I got jumped afterwards just to just to put the icing on the cake. But um, what saved my life that day actually was my brother. He had drove his uh, work truck with the lights on, flashing into the crowd, like blazing into the crowd. Took his shirt off and like was ready to fight everybody. You know what I mean? Like ready to to defend me with. And how old's your brother? Life. He's about fourteen years older than I am. Oh, jeez, yeah. that's quite the gap. Yeah, so he was a uh, he was a lot. You know, me, I was I think I was fifteen at the time. So he was probably around thirty, pushing thirty nine, yeah. thirty. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, no, I, you know, and grabbed me by the neck, threw me in the in the trucks, like told me that hey, you don't need to be out here doing this. You know, you're better than this. You don't need. You know, this is not the life for you. And that kind of opened my eyes a little bit too. You know, maybe I need to make better decisions because I was that guy at fucking 90, 95 pounds soaking wet that would never back down from. Yeah. I would always I would always be ready to fight people. But I didn't understand at the time that, you know, there's there's sometimes you got to choose. Pick your balance. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know, be smart about it or else you don't you may not live to fight the other day. Yeah. Getting and a lot of people don't make it out of there, man. They just stay there and then absolutely end up, uh, for lack of a better way, a statistic. Yeah, and it's just terrible, man. Yeah. And it's only gotten, yeah. I hear it's almost like they don't even talk about it as much on the news anymore, just because it happens so regularly. It's so common, and honestly, it was no more common now than it was back then. It's yeah. just with social media, everything's more. Yeah, yeah, it's brought to light, but it's it's always been like that. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard about this. Well, south and then there's the west side. There's parts of the west side and the south side. Yeah, there's there's different factions, different gangs out there. But honestly, it's I don't know. It's the same old same old story, and we still fight the same old story, even even outside of gangs. You know, it's we we you know it's a controversial topic, but um, you know, even in the military, we're fighting other people's battles, and um, you know, all we have to rely on within ourselves is our brother we, we're you know we're not here for them we're we're there for the guy next to us you know yeah. what i mean um and and that's why we do it we don't do it for you know whatever whatever overarching you know uh reason uh that the government may come up with it's more for each other you know yeah that camaraderie that brotherhood Absolutely. fellowship but all those all those words yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so getting into the the business side of things. So what made you decide that, Hey, I don't want to work the nine to five, especially when you got back here. Cause did you try to do the nine to five thing for a little bit? I did. So, um, in order for me to, to, to elaborate on why I chose back to get back to business was, um, so I was, I was actually bonded out. Um, I was afforded bond, um, a year after being incarcerated, um, be only because I had only because they were forced to uh, speedy trial in Virginia is six months. Um, so I was actually charged with uh, with one count of capital murder initially, um, and then they six months into my um, my jail time, I was uh, I was supposed to go to trial for speedy trial, and then they they tacked on another just bullshit um, capital murder charge, which was the same thing. On the same charge, but under different wording. But they knew this, and they did it anyways in order to extend my time in jail because their goal was to get me to take some sort of plea to just make it all go away, you know. And they wanted they, you to say you were guilty, right? Yeah. And I would not. I would. I kept yeah. fighting it, and because I knew I wasn't, and um, so that pushed me to twelve months. And then I finally they couldn't do keep me any longer, so they had to afford me a bond. I bonded out with the stipulation that I had a. Um, the ankle monitor on. So I, I had that initially in Virginia, went back up, supposed to go to trial. Um, they, the, the prosecution, um, asked for a, uh, a continuance and they were granted it with the stipulation that I would be able to move my, my bond, um, to Iowa. So that's when the judge granted it because this was the sixth continuation by the prosecution. We had Jeez. not had one single continuation by the defense. Judge was just like, I'm sick of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she was. You can see it in her face. She was sick of it. And yeah. um, and uh, so she granted it. I came to Iowa. And um, unfortunately, with uh, pending um, murder charges on your uh, record, no one, one will hire the- you. Yeah. <laughs> not a, not a, I couldn't volunteer. I actually volunteered for the, tried to volunteer for the um uh what is it called um 
not goodwill, but the it starts with an S. Uh, I can't remember, but it's it's a, it was a it was a charity organization here in the area, and uh, they turned me down because of the charges. So I couldn't yeah. even volunteer. You know, that's how bad it was. So I I had no choice. I I had to work for myself. You know, so that how did that even happen? You get pinned with that. That's probably a yeah. longer. That's probably it's a, a long. It's a very story. long story. I can give you the Cliff Notes version. Yeah, the um, summarized version of that. So my I had an like I had the same electronic store in in Virginia, and one of my employees who I was just in a really bad spot um, in life. I gave him the opportunity to not only become um, an employee in my in my organization, but I promoted Our him to manager. Yeah. Manager, okay, and. Uh, over the course of a year, or a little, excuse me, a little over a year, he had stolen and embezzled over just hundreds of thousands of dollars. And you may think to yourself, "Well, how? How? How does somebody do that?" He um, he was deleting. He was he was purchasing things in the business name, and then he was he would delete the uh, the inventory out, and and basically just go and resell the items on his own. Um, he had an, enough. He had a he had the level of access to be able to basically manipulate the the the, the inventory, the accounting, and um, just just the uh, the money in general. Um, and it was not like overnight. This was over a course of you know a year. Or so yeah, it was really hard to track because of the literally the cash system that we use for purchasing and and selling these phones. Um, anyways. So I found out he was doing this actually from my empl- my other employees. So I opened a um, a theft and embezzlement charge on him on from my local police department. Mm. Well, he went and basically concocted this story that I was some sort of hitman, freaking you know, international like criminal yeah, Pablo yeah. Escobar type of yeah, guy, yeah, yeah. right? He had to one up you, right? Yeah, yeah. And I have no idea with <laughs> zero evidence. I have no idea how they bought this thing, not at all. Like, spent hundreds of thousands of dollars extraditing me from the Philippines, which I would go to the Philippines for. Okay, so I can kind of see where the cops are coming from. I'm a young black, you know, 25, I think it was a 25 year old with a lot of money traveling internationally four or five times a year. You know what I mean? So you have family in the Philippines. Right. Yeah. And so I'm also half Filipino, you know, and and I, I had a house out there. I got a car out there. I got a sports complex out there. I mean, I had reason to be there and reason to travel back and forth. My girlfriend at the time was out there. And, um, you know, but outside looking in, you're like, there's no way this guy it's is making yeah, 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 You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Making all this money. This making too all good these to moves. be true. Yeah. yeah. So they pretty much were like, okay, we'll use your story to find something bigger. We're going to find something. There's no way this guy is legit. So, um, that was their, that was the idea behind why they pursued these charges. I think I'm, that's my best guess. You even think I'm not on it today. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, after the extradition in four different, uh, jails later, uh, is where I, you know, I ended up, uh, landing in Hampton Roads Regional, but um, I was just beside myself the whole time. I'm just like, how the fuck? Yeah. How, you know, yeah. how the hell is this happening? You know? Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, my life kind of turned on its head. And, you know, to be honest, like, everything happens for a reason. So who did they think that you killed? Uh, so and that's, that's, <laughs> that's the funny part, man. Uh, it's like, so it's a, the name is Rich Porter. Rich Porter doesn't exist. It's not a real person. He uh, made it up. Uh, so he used the name of a customer that came into the store and called him a dude. It was a, it was a, it was a man, and he thought it was a man at least. So he's like, "Oh yeah, this guy Rich Porter, uh, you know, he, he had beef with him, so he was gonna kill him and this and that." And then turns out this Rich Porter character never met me, doesn't even know who I am. Did come into my store to sell a phone, but never knew who I was. On top of that. The name's not actually Rich Porter. It's like honestly, I forgot. It starts with an L. Name. It's actually a chick. It's a, du- <laughs> it's a girl, and she's a to- she's a she's like a tomboy type girl. Uh, I forgot you call those. Um, but yeah, she uh, she you know she she you know dresses like a guy, use a guy's name, and um, okay. 
And so she had transitioned a little bit. Right. Yeah, okay. She So she went by the name of Rich Porter, but that wasn't her original name. That wasn't her government name. No. Got it. So when the police finally found who this random individual was, she told the police, I don't know him. I have no idea who that guy is. Yeah, I sold him a phone, but that's it. This was like six months into my jail time. So even after they found this out, they still held me in that jail and charged me with that second count in order to find something because they knew if this got out that they messed up, they fucked up millions of dollars in lawsuits, millions of dollars. Because, I mean, I lost everything. I lost my car. I lost my business. I lost my house, you know. Yeah, yeah. So it was uh, it gave me a really, really sour taste after spending eight years of honorable service to my country to, you know, in the name of this, you know, this, this, this legal system, this justice system. That's why you, you know, you'll hear me speak ill of the government and sometimes of our just judicial system because I've been rung through the ringer, man. I've just been eaten up and shit out of this. And, and, and here's the shit, here's the shittiest part. When I went to trial, finally, finally, like two and a half years Later, I went to trial in um, 2019, and uh, uh, I get to the I get to the court. Was the trial here then? To no, it was in Virginia. Or still in Virginia. Yeah, okay. I get to the court. My lawyer, you know, they go through the whole motions of oh, the prosecution's offering a plea. I said, I already told you, man, I'm not taking a plea. I didn't do anything. Well, you got to listen to it. All right, man, I'll listen to it, but I'm not taking it. Okay, gives me the first one. It's some bullshit plea, 15 years. Um, you know, some other, some other stipulation. I was like, absolutely fucking not. And then the second plea came, you know, she said, I mean, all right, I'll be right back. Came back. Second plea, five years. Absolutely not. Came back. He's like, all right, Yosh, this is the last one. And I'm going to tell you, he's like, I've been, I've been defending you for two, two, two plus years now. You spent over a hundred thousand dollars on my defense of you. I'm giving you my professional opinion. You need to take this plea. You need to take this plea. I'm like, I, I told you I'm not taking a plea, but what is it? What is it? Yeah. And he's like, no felony, no jail time, um, right to vote, right to own a firearm, um, nothing on your record other than two class six misdemeanors, lowest, lowest class of misdemeanors that you can get. They'll fall off your record in five years or some shit. No one will really even see it outside of the state of Virginia. You don't live in Virginia, so it won't matter. And um, and he's like, you, he's like, this is the best plea you can get. It's not even worth risking going to court. Take this plea. You'll be a free man. I said, absolutely not. Yeah. No, no, I'm not going to admit to something I didn't do. I don't yeah. care if it doesn't. He's like, so this is the he's part like, that got me right he's here. He's like, this guy. Yeah, this, so mind you, this is the top three criminal defense attorney in the United States. Uh, he serves as a as a substitute judge on you know on the bench in in Virginia, and he even travels to Texas sometimes to serve as a, serve as a judge there. That's how big this guy is. Um, and he told me, he said, you know, he grabbed me by the shoulder. He's like, Yosh, me and you both know that the justice system isn't always just. They're going to find something. They're not going to just let you walk if you go to trial. This will at least give them a way out. But if you don't give them a way out, they will find a way. And it's going to be at your expense. They look at me dead in the fucking eyes, man. And I'm like, what do I do? You know what I mean? So my mom's sitting there. She's... uh, well, sorry, we go into the we go into the courtroom. Could I agree? And I was like, okay, yeah, I guess I see what you're saying. He's like, well, you know, the biggest thing that got me as a part of that speech, he said, he's like, you want to fight this? You want to fight this this corrupt system? You you know, you're you're this big advocate for you know justice, and and you're willing to sacrifice your life for it. But what the hell are you going to do inside in, in jail? What the hell are you going to do in prison? How are you going to fight this in prison? You're not going to be a martyr. You're not going to be anything. You're, you're going to be another guy in prison, another black man in prison is what, actually what he said. And he's like, well, fight this from the outside. Take the plea. Fight this from the outside. Advocate from the outside. Advocate as a free man. But you can't do shit. 
yeah. as a prisoner. Yeah, and you're just another prisoner that says you're innocent, and right. everybody says they're innocent. And, uh, I'll, I'll Not everybody, but yeah, absolutely. A and lot I'm, of people do. Yeah. And I'm looking at. It, I mean, if a judge finds you guilty, what you're fucking guilty, right? Whether you did it or not. You know, so, so I, I I I understood what he was saying. So reluctantly, you know, we went to the courtroom. You know, judge who's been following this case for two and a half years. Just knows, yeah, yeah. Just she gets this plea in front of her. You can tell she's disappointed. She looks at me. She um. She she reads off the plea and she asked me, she's like, Mr. Haddon, are you do you willingly take this plea free of coercion or you know, free of threats of prosecution and this and that? And I was and I looked at my attorney, he's he's like pulling on my arm and you know, nodding yes. I look back at my mom, she's sitting in the in the stands and she's just vigorously shaking her head no. I look back as I'm looking at my mom. He tugs even harder on my on my suit, suit you know uh, sleeve. I look at the judge and I say, you know, I kind of put my my eyes down and under my breath say yes. And she shakes her head. She gives all two couple side to side nods and all right. And then she reads off the charges. Mister Haddon, you're pleading guilty to falsification of a police report and. F- and obstruction of justice were the two class six misdemeanors that they charged me with, which were bullshit charges. Like, yeah. I, I even asked him, I was like, what are these charges? He's like, they're bullshit. They're bullshit. What are they're they nothing. Based off of? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're just filler charges. They need something. They need something. You know, stop asking questions. I mean, he was really just trying to push me through this. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's shitty, man, because, uh, you know, it's, it's just not as just of a system as we like to give it credit for. And there are good people. In the justice, and there are good cops, but there are bad ones too. Because this detective that was pushing this case knew I was innocent. She knew I was innocent the whole fucking time, but she wanted that conviction because that would get her her promotion. And this prosecutor knew I was innocent this whole time, and he wanted that conviction because he wanted it for his record. Yeah, it's all about numbers. It doesn't justice doesn't. It's not even a. It's it's fucked up, man. Yeah, people's. They're fucking people's lives up for numbers and for promotions. Just the idea of of your bond. I honestly, you're so you're 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 dictating freedom based on how much money someone has. That's yeah. the bond system. Yeah, you know, it's just the whole. You know, so it's 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 a it's a it's a broken system. It is, and even yeah. one of the top criminal defense attorneys even said it himself. And, um, you know, I'm glad I listened to him, to be honest, because understanding what I went through and how far they went, how much money they spent, the money, the money was ridiculous. An extradition from the Philippines back to the United States, that's damn near a million dollars, man. That's a lot of fucking money for a— One guy. Yeah, for a guy with no criminal record. Yeah. No fucking evidence. You know what I mean? So. So whatever happened to the other guy? I asked that. I asked, uh, what they, well, if they... You guys going to do anything yeah. about the legit charges that right. I filed against this guy? They couldn't do anything because then it would make them look wrong. It would make it look like they were wrong. So he got away with stealing. Yeah, he absolutely. Uh, got away with stealing. I'm sure he, that probably caught up to him. Oh, know. yeah. It was funny because as I was out on bond, I went to the Phil- or I went to Virginia to see, actually see Kane Brown in Virginia Beach. Oh, and nice. I was with an ex-girlfriend at the time, and I saw him there Ooh. doing security. And we locked eyes for like a second. He looked away real fucking quick and was in a, kind of in a hurry. He started scurrying away. Big fucking, big fucking 350-pound 300, black Muslim dude named Abdul Hafiz Walker. You son of a bitch. Um, and uh, he just kind of made his exit from there. He's like he saw a ghost. Honestly, he never thought I'd ever get out of jail because the way they paint, they painted me. Yeah. And if there's video, if you Google my name, there's still YouTube videos of my arrest of the news article. I was on world news. I was on an Interpol. I was on the international police. I was wanted in every country in the world. They put me on a list yeah. usually reserved for the worst of the worst criminals. Yeah. And they, they know they were under this assumption of that you we're the worst of the right. worst. Yeah, they we're under this assumption. I was some man. Sort this guy. What a story. Yeah. Jeez. Isn't that fucking wild? That guy had to uh, had 
I don't know what a convincing. That's the only thing I can think of. I I I, I have I still sense. to this day cannot fucking fathom how they could have taken what he was telling them and invested so many resources into believing it, into making it true. You know what I mean? Into yeah. finding something because I mean they confiscated my phones. They had. They were interviewing all my employees. They were, you know, ransacked my parents' house. They actually raided my parents' house. Forced my father to open up his gun safe. Yeah, wrecked the whole fucking basement, wrecked the whole house. I mean, tore it apart looking for evidence. And they they just, (laughs) it's, uh, I can't, I don't know. I can't can't put two and two together. That's something i'm actually going to have what well, we're probably going to talk about the justice system on on thursday um i don't know in this episode we'll release yet because i have so many that i have like recorded <laughs> right now um but uh it'll probably get released uh after i record this next episode and uh which i'm going to release right away just based on I don't know if you know this person. Some people do. Um, Spike Cohen. Yeah. 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 yeah I don't know how I got it, man, but I, I got it. He's I, coming? He's not coming. Oh, I'm not shit. doing it in person. Oh, I'm doing okay, it over okay. Zoom. Oh, that'd be that's so sick. He's my favorite politician, man. Yeah, dude. Hell yeah. yeah he's out there. <laughs> he's out there fighting, man. What? Yeah. Hell yeah, man. That fucking, yeah. He's All the, from just an email. I was just like, just a sent oh. through his website. And I like, I didn't find like yeah. the right email to send it to. I was just like, you know what? I really like this guy. I'm gonna, guy. Send him, I'm gonna send him. I'm just gonna shoot him an email for his website <laughs> for a request, and then his uh, his manager. I, he didn't call himself his manager, but he because he was like because they're like they're very professional, but they're yeah. super like just like realistic and cool. And I talked to uh, Brian. His uh, I don't know. He didn't want to label himself the manager. He's like, I guess you could call me the manager. <laughs> Because he's like does a lot of stuff for him, yeah. and, and he's just like, yeah, uh, we definitely want to do it. And I was just like, man, what am I going to talk to this what guy about? Because he's dude. also in recovery too. So, and I'm in recovery, yeah. And he's been in recovery for like 16 years, so we're going to talk about that too. So I gotta, I'm like, and he's like, he's like, do it later. Right. He'll stay on later if you if you wow. do it later. I'm like, okay. Damn, Tell man, me. if you, I don't know if you, how somehow, you know, fuck, man, if I could be a part of that, because, dude, I'm telling you, this is my, my fucking, my idol, man, he's, uh, you know, he's, he, he, he's a, the potential next president, you know, the leader of the Libertarian Party, I mean, yeah. this guy is, yeah, big. he shows up, he shows up at council meetings just, like, consistently, like, advocate, being Absolutely. an actual politician. Absolutely. Um, and For the people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Very much so. That's why I was like, okay, I got it. I was like, because I told myself when I started, when the podcast started really gaining steam and I was like, I'm really going to do this. I was like, I if I, if I bring a, I almost had a politician on that was more, he would, he was running for like city council, so you don't have to claim a party. Mm-hmm. He was definitely a Democrat, so I was like, I can't do one of the two parties because I don't like the two party system. Right, right. And they already get enough, yeah, press. Yep. You know, they get enough publicity. Yeah. So I'm like, if I'm gonna do anything, like, hey, I'll have somebody. I'll have somebody on. Here. I don't necessarily agree with people from like the Green Party, but right, I'd have right. them on because you know people don't hear about those right. those Abs- ideas. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, the Libertarian movement is the it's the third biggest party. Um, I mean, obviously, it's way behind the other two because right. they're so commercialized and promoted, and it's a rigged game. It is. Uh, that's another rigged Absolutely. system, and I'm going to talk to them about that too, um, about how they're going to try to get on. Because my big thing that I noticed last time was like, why are they not letting him on the? Well, because it wasn't Spike. Spike was the vice president, potential nominee. But um, why are they not letting? Um, why can I not remember now off the top of my head? Um, Joe, Joe Jorgensen yeah. on the debate stage. Why? Yeah. Why is that not a thing? Yeah. Like, what's the deal here? And she and she talked about it very openly. And I was following that for a while, uh, up until election time. And uh, yeah, it was just like you got to play. You got to pay to win. You got to pay to be on that stage. Absolutely, man. And they don't. They don't want you to 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 interrupt the rules of their game. I mean, the the two party system. If I can get my and opinion. the debates are such a joke now. Yeah. 
Yeah, they are. They are. I mean, it's a setup, man. It's just, it's the reason why they Ratings. they pick. Yeah, it's just the same reason why they pit black versus white. Um, you know, uh, U.S. versus uh, Mexico or anybody else. You know, it's they want they they it's want always one v one. Yeah, the rich versus the poor, the middle class versus the lower class. Like it's they always want some sort of conflict, and this dates back all the way to the medieval times. If you can create artificial conflict amongst the common folk, they will never. They'll they'll they're too they'll be too busy fighting themselves that, to 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 rise and revolt against the oppressors. Yeah, to figure and, out what's and this really is what going they on. did it with slavery too. They did it with the house slaves and the field slaves. They pitted them against each other. You know, one was always had to be better than the other. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're the ones doing the world. You want you want to be in the house? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So they, you know, that that way they take their their anger away from their actual oppressors and they they pit it against each other. So and this it just goes back as far as time. Um, you know, it goes to religion. Yeah, from it goes a logical to, perspective, it's very easy to see. But then you're like, no. But then you're like, no, it can't, they can't be. Like, absolutely. Yeah, because it's easier to just deny it. Yeah, yeah, just be like, it is. It's not happening. There's not all this corruption going on. There's no way people are that evil. No, there are people that a- are ter- absolutely man, are terrible people out there. I'm telling you, coming from having held a TSSCI clearance, which is a top se- your your top top t- secret clearance, and being privy to knowledge that most people will never be privy to, and knowing the a, a lot of the real reasons behind some of the conflicts we're in, it really opened your eyes, man. On on, on how this country is running and uh, you know i guess fortunately and unfortunately it gave me an advantage is why i'm so um successful in business because i understand the game i have to play in order to be successful because i, I i'm literally like kind of rewriting the book that these guys wrote you know what i mean so mm. i know the i know the kind of the groundwork that i need to do and i could recreate this over and over again i could lose everything and recreate it over and over again because the 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 model is the same, you know, and you can you can literally create it without it's knowledge. It's not the it's not actually having any assets or resource. It's actually the knowledge, because once you have the knowledge, you can obtain everything else. And as long as you have that, you'll you'll always be able to get it back. And that's why that's why these people are able to do what they do and how they're able to manipulate how they're able to manipulate. But like you said, once you figure out the game, you're like, there's no way. You're a conspiracy theorist. You're this. Yeah, you're that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> man. There's so much more truth to it. Yeah, I got. I have some friends that um, that are more uh, that post more openly about things than I do, and I'm just <laughs> kind of. I pay attention, and um, I had a buddy of mine that was um, that was at the Capitol but didn't go in because he was like, "That's stupid." Yeah. <laughs> oh man, it's like oh man, and he also, um, I. You know, everybody says he's crazy, um, but he's like, the people that actually started that were like, they were not even like the regular people that were there. No. He's like, it was, he's yeah. like, it was so weird. Like, it was like, there was the people that were there because they were like, you know, they were supporting what they wanted to support. They right. thought the election was all messed up. And um, that's what they were there for. They weren't there to like, Caused a bunch of problems. They weren't there to burn anything down Absolutely. or blow anything up. Yeah. And all of a sudden, there's like this group of people that like started a bunch of shit. Yeah. And then it all hell broke loose. It's the same thing with the riots during, um, you know, the COVID shutdown where, you know, they, they were people were breaking into businesses and burning down businesses. Um, same thing, man. It was, you know, a lot of people were who were witness to it were saying, the people that were doing it, they've never seen before. You know, yeah. once once you start something, it's easy to get people to, to keep going. You know what I mean? If I you get one person to, to break a break into a store and steal, you know, steal something and not nothing happened to them, well, everybody else is gonna be like, well, well, shit, well hell yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. So they, uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of that, man. And I don't know, um, you know, the thing is. So this has been going on for forever, right? This is, this is, we can't, you know, it's not like, oh, this just started happening. No, the, the reason why we're starting to catch wind of all this is because of seamless, is the internet. Technology, the internet. Yeah, yeah technology. Film stuff and capture stuff in real time. Seamless, instant communication across the world. We have never been able to communicate with other countries, other, with other social demographics 
as easily and seamlessly as we ha- are now. I mean, with a click of a button, we, we're now capturing footage. We're now capper- capturing live information. And then with a cl- another click of a button and in a few seconds, we're able to share that information across the entire globe. That's why we're coming together as a social cast. That's why we're coming together as a common people and, and starting to, to realize, hey, you know, maybe we're not crazy. Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe the government doesn't have our best interests, you know, and I'm not talking, when I'm talking about, I'm not talking about our lo- local city, city, you know, councilmen or whatever. I'm talking about an overarching. People that have been in Washington for like 30, 40 absolutely. years. Like, and it's not limited to our government, man. This is around the world. Oh yeah. It's everywhere. In the Philippines, it was, it was even worse actually under the last president's rule, Duterte. He, he literally murdered tens of thousands of people in broad daylight. I was there uh, when he was doing it. He was conducting these drug raids and um, drug raids. Um, we're talking about shit as stupid as like weed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you got caught with even just a gram of weed, man, you got shot on the spot. And that was their whole, oh, we're, we're, we're cleaning up the Philippines. We're, you know, this is for the universal Send good. message, yeah. Oh, man, it's, yeah, it's crazy. It's wild. It's like... I've met people, well, even, well, yeah, not necessarily people that smoke weed, but people that have done harder drugs, like, even that's not going to get them to stop. Right. That's not how you stop no. people from doing drugs. Oh, it, was it doesn't work that way. If Most of them didn't even have drugs on them. It was <laughs> yeah. a way for them it to. It was a way for them to. Legally assassinate people and wipe out. Get rid of people. Yeah. That they didn't want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. So how far of a. To bring things on a lighter note. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. how far, uh, how long of a flight is it to the Philippines? I've never been. It's uh, My last flight out there was, was 27 hours there, 32 hours back. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, get oh. comfortable, man. Take, oh, holy you know, shit. Pop an edible before you get on that plane or something. something. <laughs> yeah. Gotta have some, either something to do or lots of sleep. Yeah. Yeah, um, I mean the planes are pretty cool now. They got TVs; you can watch movies and shit now. I just I try to just sleep through the whole thing, but um, I mean you know, games on your phone, TVs on the back of the seats. Yeah, it's a lot better experience than it was twenty years ago. Oh yeah, I bet <laughs> twenty years ago that was wrong. Yeah. Oh man, um, yeah. The longest flight I've taken is was like eight hours. And that was to Hawaii. So, oh wow! Yeah. I went to Hawaii right when uh, the pandemic started. Uh, March. We weren't. Yeah, we weren't even sure if we were gonna go. Um, but we were like, well, it was in Hawaii. Really hadn't had that many cases. Yeah. So we went for it, and as soon as we got there, like three days later, they like started shutting everything down. Right. So we ended up leaving early. It sucked, um, because this was like a trip. Like my family had planned. My parents did it for their anniversary, and like it's me, and my brother and sister, and my sister in law, and just like it, just complete wash. Right. It sucked. Um, but uh, I really want to go back to Hawaii. There's a lot of cool places in Hawaii. Like we were gonna. I didn't even get to stay to go to like, like you couldn't even go see Pearl Harbor right. or anything. Like, you know what's crazy, man? Is uh, so my, bu- my I have a I have a buddy who's uh who's still in the Navy now. He's uh, I think he's uh, he's an O four, and uh, but at the time he was a lieutenant. He worked in Washington under a general, which he's in the Navy um as a as a uh, captain or sorry not captain lieutenant, but um uh anyway. So I was bowling and he calls me. This is around like. February of 2022. You're really into or, the sorry, leisure sports. You like bowling and you like pool. pool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm a hobby guy, yeah. yeah. So anyway, he gives me a call, man, and he's like, or no, he's, uh, yeah, he calls me. He's like, hey, man, um, uh, yeah, I just want you to know there's something big coming. Like there's something big coming from China, and he's like, you know, I can't really get too much into it, What what's going on right now, but, you know, I just, you know, he's just like, be safe. It's, it's some sort of virus, and I'm... Um, you know, it's 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 a lot more serious than than people are gonna make it out to be. But and then he, you know, he kind of got into a, a few other things that he he specifically asked me not to talk about. Yeah. But um. But it was so strange, man. Because at the time, I'm like, what are you what are you talking about? You know I remember what I mean? hearing about it. Um, 
in China, mm. uh, the the being locked down in China and hearing about it on. I used to listen to because uh, I was like, what? I was I was so sick of like every news station. I was listening right. to NPR because it was just dry news. Um, and uh, I was listening to Iowa Public Radio because I used to commute to Iowa City to work, mm-hmm. and so I'd listen to that. And I was listening to like them interviewing people that were stuck in their houses. Right. And I was just like, what the hell man. is going on, man? And I was like, this what I was like, this is just happening in China. Was, I did and this was like in November. Right. And I was like, I didn't think really much of it. Right. And then a few months later, it's like, this is here now. Right. Yeah, because I mean it was hitting the news to where people were like, Oh, that's China. What do we care? You yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah, it's uh man, it's crazy because I don't I, I mean, mean that sounds never... terrible, but that's not our problem. Right. You know, you're just like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just crazy how how because we've never I mean the what, entire history we've never faced anything global like that to where countries are coordinating and and doing the same exact preventative measures and doing the same exact thing. Some and, doing like none. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was yeah. like some that did like was it was it Sweden or was it Switzerland? Like they didn't lock down right at all. Yeah, and it's it's strange because their numbers of um, not that different. No, no. It was like well, cause it's not like that. Some of it, like you know, people were like well intended. There was some of it was like, yeah, we should do this. We should try to do preventative mm-hmm. stuff. I get it. And then there's part of it's like, what's really going? Right, it's really going <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And that what's really going? My on questionable is, side because I like to question everything. Yeah. It's like uh, I don't know, man. Yeah, and, and I. I also, you know, and I know people have, you know, lost their lives because of COVID. I know people that have, not like directly, but I know of people. And I know it's not like fake. Right. I know it's a serious thing. Just for precaution, I had to edit this part out a little bit just in case I run into some issues of someone trying to deplatform me. Not that I agree or disagree what Yoshi said here, but I had to cut it out for a couple of reasons. If you're still listening, please share this podcast with somebody or comment, like, subscribe, do all that good stuff wherever you're listening and do a review if you have time. Those do a lot for me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Us being able to close the gaps by being able to access that global market. And now you have entertainers that came from YouTube, entertainers that come from TikTok making millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. So we're able to, you know, as a normal average citizen, you're able to gain, you know, uh, you have the opportunity to become a millionaire in more ways now than ever available in history, in the history of mankind. And um, and that is scary. Contributing, yeah, yeah, contributing to their loss of control. What do you think about the hill? You said something about TikTok. I saw something the other day. I haven't really looked into it yet. But have you heard about um, the theory about? Because obviously we're not in China, so we don't know what happens in China. Um, apparently, the TikTok algorithm is completely different in China than it is in America. <laughs> yeah, like it's yeah. Uh, like they're pushing like if you if you're a TikTok user in China and say you're like a 17 year old kid. Mm-hmm. Your algorithm is going to be showing you like informational, informative, like, you know, people like doing really like educational, cool things, mm-hmm. like next level stuff. Right. Um, and then on our feeds, you're seeing like dumb people doing pranks. Right. And shit. <laughs> right. Like, the feeds are completely different. And I think that, well, the algorithms does have to do with, you know, what you're watching anyway. Right. Like, mine shows up with a bunch of like, cause I like to golf. So I'll knows i like golf now mm-hmm. so it's showing up with like different people teaching me how to golf better which i don't know if anybody can but. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah um yeah no it's 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 interesting i mean and it's, it's not limited to tiktok man you know you know facebook yeah you know these big social media sites uh or are you talking about something and then it's on your phone? absolutely yeah. that's real <laughs> i mean it's yeah it, I, I mean i don't i don't really and people know it's real now because they they can't deny it because right. they literally like we're talking about something. Yeah. 
Something we talk about is probably going to show up on my feed right now. So right. I'm going to get a TikTok ad or something. Right. On my Facebook. Which I, is- <laughs> <laughs> right. Most definitely. And that's the thing is I don't think it's limited. I don't. I really think that's more of a, uh, a capitalism type thing. I think they're just mining information to be able to focus marketing on the intended target. I, I don't see too much wrong with that. I mean that – I, if I want to be, if I if I'm forced to see an ad, at least relate it to me. You know what I mean? I yeah. I don't want to go see a. I don't want to see an ad about um, you know, tampons or or yeah, women's so not relatable. Or you know, yeah. right? I can't. You know, can't relate to that. All right, but yeah. if you know, you're showing me ads on, um, you know, oh man, this 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 pool shaft, um, or this uh, you know, this fuck, I don't know, um, oh, this new business software. I'm interested in that. That does interest yeah. me. I, I do buy those things. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So um, there's there's some good to it, and I think I think that's maybe where the conspiracy theories get carried a little. Because what, so what is I'm yeah because some do get yeah. So obviously. what what is the bad side of that though? Like where is where is that? You know, you talk about invasion of privacy and this and that. But they're I mean, trying to make they're trying to dumb us down somehow. That's the theory behind okay. it. That's what I saw anyway. Okay, um, I don't know how true that is, um, and I don't know if the algorithm's any different. Right. I have no idea. Right. I'm not in China. I don't, <laughs> I don't, really, I don't know anyone in China to be right. like, hey, what's your algorithm? Like, I don't I don't have that information, but I just thought that was interesting. I'm like, that they could, because uh, what goes on in China, it's almost like the old theory with Vegas, what happens in China stays in China. Right, kind of right. Thing. Except for COVID nineteen, right? It's it's a it's it's a unique man. It's a very unique country because you know the largest populate pop, densely populated country in in the world, um, and then they're they're essentially a, essentially a dictatorship. You know, mm-hmm. um, uh, they they have mastered the control of large populations. They have mastered it. They are they are the best at it. Um, so, whatever they're doing may just be. Um, um, you know, maybe maybe their tactics are being sold to other governments to say, "Hey, this is how you control your people." I, I don't know. Um, you know, other than outside of the the monetary value of it, like I said, because mining data, mining people's you know interest in their you know that's why people used to do surveys back in the day and they paid them for it to to gain information and sell it to companies. Um, you know, being a business owner, that I think they still do. I think they. I think you still can't make money off. Doing service, not as much as you right. Used to. Yeah, I think because they try thing. to get it organically now, so they'll provide yeah. you with a free product with the understanding that hey, you're going to be exchanging your data for a free product, mm-hmm. and I think that's where a lot of us don't understand how we get free things like Facebook, like Instagram, like these games that we uh, play on our phones, and, and well, well, we do pay for it. We pay for it in information. Mm-hmm. So, and and companies pay a lot of money for that information, and so do governments. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. What do we what do we got here for time? We should yeah. probably wrap up. Absolutely, man. Yeah. But I I appreciate you being on. Yeah, we could have gone on a chair there. <laughs>